Welcome to the Happily Hormonal Podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is the power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I have Lisa with me today and I'm super excited to talk to her because we have been getting all the questions about perimenopause lately. And Lisa is a perimenopause expert. And so I'm going to get some good answers for you and some good resources. And I'm super excited to jump in. So Lisa, will you just give us a little intro, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into all the things hormones. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Dr. Lisa Brown. I am a perimenopause coach, pharmacist in background, been working with women in the perimenopause and menopause phase of life for the past 11 years. I'm also a mom of four children, two boys, two girls, three of which are in the tween and teen phase. So just an interesting life phase. And I love working with women in perimenopause because I love the new beginnings that perimenopause brings with it. It's a time when our bodies are doing so much changing. We're in a very dynamic state. And I love looking at perimenopause as a chance for you to take care of yourself, maybe like you never have before, and to really start fresh and thrive in this phase of life. So again, I'm excited to be here and happy to answer any questions. I love that. I love that. Just like a spin on it, right? Because I think a lot of times people would think of perimenopause as like something negative and maybe something bad is coming. But I love what you're saying. And even just mentioning the stage of life you're in with like teens and tweens, Mm -hmm. there's a different stage of motherhood so much of the time in perimenopause where maybe you are out of the fog of the baby years a little bit and might have to remember how to take care of yourself again. So I love that you mentioned that. I'm excited to Mm -hmm. hear all the things about that. So yeah. The first thing that I want to start with is, will you just tell us all, like, how do you know what is perimenopause? How do you know if you're in perimenopause? Because I think that many of us have really heard of like menopause only, and then not realizing that there's like also this transition period. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked that because it's so true. We hear so much about menopause and we think of that as like the time when everything changes, but it's actually the years leading up to menopause where most of us are the most symptomatic. So perimenopause is a transitional phase. It's when you stop ovulating consistently. So you're moving out of your reproductive years towards menopause, but you're not there yet. So this phase of life can actually last up to 10 years. And because your hormones are changing so much, again, this is where most of us tend to be most symptomatic. Okay. Yeah. 
that makes sense for sure. So I would love to have you talk about what are some of those common symptoms? Like how would you know that your body is in that phase? And then maybe you can talk about common age ranges. And I know that will vary as well. Mm -hmm. That does vary, but I'm going to answer that part first, because that's when you're asking yourself, am I in perimenopause or how do I know? There's definitely some signs to look at. So the first thing I would start at is looking at your age because that's just more of a black or white indicator to send you in a certain direction. So the average age of achieving menopause in the United States is 51. And perimenopause can last up to 10 years. So doing the math there, technically, if you're around the age 41 or older, then you potentially might be in that window. Okay. So basically, if you're in your 40s, that's one thing I look at age-wise. And then from there, we also look at symptoms, right? So one of the easiest symptoms to identify if you're in perimenopause is what is your period doing? Mm -hmm. If you're someone who was consistently cycling every 28 days and now you're not, that's potentially a sign. One of the most common first symptoms when we reach perimenopause is difficulty sleeping. So that's a really common symptoms that we see from the get-go. And that's in part associated with a decline in progesterone that we start to experience during this phase. So difficulty sleeping is one of the first symptoms that we see often. Anxiety is a symptom that creeps up early on. And it's important to look at symptoms because for some women, your period doesn't change. You can go through all of perimenopause and your period might stay the same. So it really is different for everybody, but definitely difficulty sleeping and anxiety are some of the first things that we see creeping up. Also mood changes just become really prevalent. So feeling more irritable than usual or just more short-tempered, less even keeled with your loved ones. Those happen often. And then metabolism changes. I hear it all the time. It's like you start gaining weight by what feels like just looking at food, like you're not doing anything different, but all of a sudden you're gaining weight and you're not sure why. So all of these things that I'm mentioning here are really common that we see, particularly in early perimenopause when things start changing. Okay. So a question that I have is when cycles start to change, is it more typical to see longer cycles or shorter cycles, or can that just really vary? It can vary for sure. But it's more common to start to see longer periods between bleeds. Okay. Oftentimes, if you're experiencing a lot of spotting, it may be something else going on. It might be a progesterone imbalance. There may be a piece of the puzzle that we're missing and you're not quite at perimenopause. So again, not always, but usually we'll start to see more of a spacing out. Like you might go 35 days between bleeds and then you might go 60 days between bleeds, for example. Okay. And if that's happening, like if that just barely starts to happen, is that something that you would consider to just be like a normal symptom of perimenopause? And yes, that might happen for the next five years where these cycles are just super irregular, or are there typically things that you look at first that you would want to see if that can become more regular again, even within this scope of perimenopause? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, we tend to just sit and live in our symptoms thinking this is how it's supposed to be. But just like in your reproductive years, same thing in perimenopause, there's still a lot of things we can do to help rein in your cycle a little bit, for lack of a better way of saying it, but to help 
clean up your cycle, get rid of some of the spotting if that's happening. There's a lot we can do to make symptoms more manageable. So while it is quote unquote normal and expected, we know our bodies are changing. We know we can't control it 100%, but there are a lot of factors that we can control so that this phase of life is much more manageable and enjoyable. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm excited to get into those. But what I want you to talk about first is what is actually happening with your hormones as your body starts to start this transition. So typically with a cycling woman, you have your rise in estrogen that causes ovulation. You have that solid rise in progesterone. It's usually pretty even in the amount of days that those things happen in. It's pretty predictable is what I actually meant to say. Right. And so I'm just curious if you want to share, like, how does that start to change and what does that look like in the body that's causing the symptoms that you talked about? Yes. Yeah. So it all stems with ovulation, right? It all starts from our bodies dropping that egg. We're trying to make a baby. And when that stops happening regularly, you don't get those hormone surges from your ovaries like you did when you were ovulating regularly, right? So we know that. For instance, we know that after we ovulate, we get that progesterone surge. When we reach perimenopause, we're not ovulating consistently anymore. We might drop an egg here. And then instead of during our next month, drop an egg, it might be a couple months. So that is the natural change that's happening. And with that, we don't get that monthly progesterone surge, right? So as our ovaries are dipping out of the show and aren't producing hormones in the consistent cyclical fashion the way that we that they were we were not experiencing the benefits of that source of hormones anymore now where we do also produce hormones is from our adrenal glands so in my work with clients we really work hard on making sure that our adrenal glands are really primed and ready to take over that hormone production because we actually do make hormones from our adrenal glands as well. We make estrogen from other body tissues also. So it's not like our hormone production just stops. Once we reach perimenopause, it changes. The sources shift where and how we're making it in our body shift. So as this transition is happening, we work to, again, support our adrenal glands and to support these other sources of hormone production throughout our body. Okay. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So it's not necessarily just to break it down for everyone listening. It's not necessarily that your hormones just totally change. You still have that spike in estrogen. Your body is still probably attempting ovulation. So you're still going to have the estrogen production, but Mm -hmm. if you're ovulating less regularly, you would be having less days out of your gear, essentially that you're going to have a high progesterone level. And so that can affect all the things that you were talking about. It can affect your sleep, Mm -hmm. it can affect anxiety, it can affect metabolism. And so being able to start to support other organs to help like subsidize those hormones, that's Mm going to be the most optimal. So, okay. So that kind of leads me to my next question that I think is my favorite, probably most important question in this episode that I want people to hear is what do you consider normal versus not normal in perimenopause? And my example is so many women think that having a painful period is normal. And I just speak against that so often because so much of the time there's something that your body is telling you, something we can do about it. You don't have to continue to have those symptoms. And I just feel like perimenopause is a place where these myths have to be busted so much because we just start to assume, oh, we're just getting older and 
things have to be terrible now, but you're literally only 43 years old or 45, like you're not even old. And so we just, I feel like we accept that too soon. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I'd love to see here the transformation that can happen from the quote unquote normal symptoms to like what's actually reasonable to expect in perimenopause when you're supporting your body well. I think reasonable is a good word to use because there are, again, our body is changing and we can't control that. We can control some of the factors that impact how we feel as our bodies change, but it's still going to do the changing no matter what. So there are some symptoms that are considered more quote unquote normal. So even things like hot flashes, night sweats, those are considered a normal part of this transition. Now, should they be happening to the frequency that they're impacting your quality of life? No, not at all. Not at all. There are so many factors that we can come in and adjust that are triggers to hot flashes or to night sweats. There are so many things that we can control to make it more manageable. It's really quite amazing. Like I'm working with a client right now and she was having hot flashes every single morning on a consistent basis. And now it's been five weeks of just making some small shifts to her day-to-day and she's not having them at all. So it's sometimes we can take symptoms from being like completely there to nothing. Most of the time we make them manageable. Everything should be manageable. The one thing that I would say is not normal, which is something that we hear a lot and we think is the weight gain that comes with it. Those metabolism changes don't have to happen. We hear a lot about the kind of midsection tire or the weight gain that develops midsection. And we tend to say, well, I'm getting older. Well, that's going to happen as I'm getting older. And that's just absolutely just not true. Your body is still very capable of balancing itself out and absorbing and metabolizing food the way that it needs to do. You just need to, might need to change your approach some. What worked in your 20s might not work anymore in your 40s. But That's definitely a myth that I think needs busted as far as I'm absolutely going to gain weight. Oh, I'm 20 pounds heavier, but it's just because I'm getting older. So that's one for sure. Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure that's really good news for anyone in those years listening because yeah, that could just be such a discouraging thing to feel like there's nothing that you can do about it. So I think that's so good. The other question that kind of came up for me as we're talking about the shifts in progesterone is... Do you see that it's really common to have high estrogen symptoms come up in this phase? So I've definitely talked to some women who are like, my periods were fine in my thirties and then I hit my forties and they're super painful, super heavy, like different things like that, or even breast swelling, breast tenderness. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because again, our progesterone is going down so we can have symptoms of estrogen dominance or like we have high estrogen, even when it's really just no your progesterone is going lower than it was before, which is a natural situation. But there is a lot we can do to help with our estrogen metabolism and illumination from our body. So probably things that you talk to your audience about a lot as well. Gut health becomes really important. But, oh my gosh, I think I lost your, what was your original question there? Hey friends, sorry to interrupt, but I have something new and free for you. So it's going to be worth it. I just created a private pod course that is going to teach you all about how to actually balance your blood sugar 
for happier hormones and more stable moods and energy. And I'm giving away the first two episodes completely free. All you have to do is sign up and grab those and you will have complete access right away. Your link is in the show notes and I will see you in there. Oh, just, yeah. If it's pretty common to also see those estrogen dominant symptoms in this oh, phase. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is very common to see them. And again, sometimes it is a true high estrogen situation, or sometimes it's your estrogen's not really high. You just have symptoms like it is, but it's because your progesterone is going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense to me, but that is definitely something that women have come to me asking. And if you're, well, my hormones are changing, but I don't know how it doesn't really make sense. So I think that's great. And then will you just clarify too the difference between perimenopause and menopause? I know you talked about that just a little bit, but like, how do you know where the line is essentially? Sure. So perimenopause can even be broken down into multiple phases. There's like early, late perimenopause. So, but the real official transition happens when you've gone 12 months without a bleed. So without a period. So If you have gone six months without a period and then all of a sudden you get one, you're not quite there yet. Okay. It's that 12 months without that marks. Okay. okay, Now you've achieved menopause. Now the rest of life is post-menopause. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So I think I've maybe heard of it spoken of as essentially the transition phase is menopause and then it's post-menopause after you stop having a period, but I'm hearing you say perimenopause is actually that transition. And then menopause is like the little cherry on top. And you're like, okay, yes, I'm officially done. There's an end point here. And then you go into postmenopause. Okay. That makes so much sense. So I would love to just go into a little bit more clarity if you're in this perimenopause stage on how you can actually manage and like maybe where you start looking for support. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, yes, I'm in this phase and I thought it was normal. And so I think that even having the little bit of understanding that we've already talked about of what's happening in the body and what's changing in your forties often with perimenopause, but I would love for you to go a little bit more into adrenal health and why that's so important a little deeper. And then also what are maybe a couple of things that we could do to support adrenals that would actually help balance hormones in that phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So as again, I focus on adrenal health a lot because the more primed and ready your adrenal glands are as you enter this perimenopause phase, the better you're going to feel. It's when your adrenal glands have been taxed over years of living under high chronic stress, right? That then your adrenal glands start to struggle. And then if you reach perimenopause and your ovaries are cutting back on their hormone production and your adrenal glands aren't there to really step up make more DHEA, which our body turns into estrogen and testosterone. If your adrenal glands aren't there and really primed and ready to take the spotlight, I describe it as like a perfect storm. It's just just everything crashes and burns. And that's when we experience symptoms that go beyond that normal, manageable perimenopause. All right, I'm having some night sweats here and there, but I'm doing okay. It's at that point where we reach that everything falls apart. I'm emotional, I'm depressed, I'm irritable. I can't sleep, all of those things. So your adrenals produce cortisol, which is your stress hormone, right? And so as we live with this chronic stress, whatever that stressor might be, your adrenal glands keep pumping out more and more cortisol. 
And this is what I'm talking about when we reach our 40s and maybe we've been living those lives. Maybe we've lived through a pandemic and getting our kids through quarantine and all the women in their 40s right now have lived through that. Living through that stress alone is going to be very taxing to your adrenal glands. So if you haven't really prioritized self-care and prioritized de-stressing and doing calming activities and such, there is a good chance that your adrenal glands aren't sitting pretty and ready to take over in perimenopause. That's, again, where things hit a fan and why we focus a lot of our work there. Okay. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So when you're listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, I have had a lot of stress, what's something that you usually start with to start to support your adrenals and even bring that stress down a little bit in a way that will help support your DHGA? Yeah. So one of the kind of easiest things, and I know Leisha has talked to you guys about this before as well. One of the kind of easiest factors we control is our food, in particular, the frequency of when we eat. And the reason that I bring this up is because I like to grab onto this as a starting point because one thing that causes stress to your body or that your body sees as stress is low blood sugar. And if you are a busy working mom who's rushing around all morning and not feeding herself till one o'clock in the afternoon, your blood sugar is going low. And what your body does in response to that is it makes cortisol because it sees that as stress. And so then that ups your cortisol production, which is doing exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to get your adrenal glands calmed and in good shape and feeling good. So that's where I like to start is looking at the frequency of when you're eating and can we prevent any unnecessary blood sugar drops that are going to cause these cortisol spikes that is not the direction we want to go in for our adrenal glands. And so that goes back to making sure that you are eating breakfast within 30 to 60 minutes of waking up in the morning, that you're getting your carbs and protein at every meal, that you're not going hours and hours between meals, all of the things that you hear me talking about every single day that still applies in your forties. <laughs> so just I'm glad that Lisa can back me up on that. That definitely doesn't change. Do you want to talk a little bit about insulin resistance and how that could affect things differently as you move into perimenopause? Because I know that is a factor as well. I certainly want you all to at least be exposed to that verbiage, that terminology, insulin resistance. This is a real thing that comes on as we reach perimenopause, it's a direct result of our estrogen lowering, right? So we said we do make estrogen from different parts of our bodies, but it's not to the same extent and it is being produced and used differently. So we're not getting estrogen produced from our ovaries quite as much as we were before. And when we do have that decrease in estrogen, that naturally comes with something called insulin resistance. It makes us more resistant where our bodies don't want to respond to insulin that is produced from our pancreas. And a lot of us hear the word insulin resistance and just push it out because we're like, oh, I don't have diabetes or my blood sugar is always good. And we don't think twice about that. So when we talk about insulin resistance in perimenopause, it's completely separate of anything pertaining to diabetes or insulin that you maybe have heard in the past. It's phenomenon, again, that happens as our estrogen lowers, we don't respond the same way to it. So when we have a blood sugar spike, let's say you drink a Coke, then your pancreas is going to make insulin to respond to that blood sugar spike. The insulin is going to try to bring your blood sugar down. What happens in perimenopause is 
we make the insulin, but our body doesn't respond to it the same way. So then in turn, we keep making more and more insulin to try to get that blood sugar down. And what we end up with at the end of the day is our high blood sugar from our Coke that we drank is still there. And now we also have a high insulin to go with it. So we've got that double whammy and that is really hard on your vasculature system. It's also really hard from a weight standpoint. So insulin resistance and those high insulin levels are directly correlated again to that midsection weight gain that we hear so much about in perimenopause. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And those basic blood sugar tips are where you would start. And then if you feel like, okay, yeah, that's definitely me, then this is where you're able to reach out and get more support that's more specific, but you definitely can't miss the basics when it comes to being able to balance your blood sugar and start to nourish your body in a way that's going to cause less stress for sure. So yeah, thank you for going into that. That's super helpful. I think the last question that I have for you is, can you tell me just a little bit about what changes with hormone advice and support as you go into perimenopause? Because a lot of things that we've talked about are really similar to what I always talk about. And I know that there are some things that are different. So is there anything just top of mind for you that you're like, that's great hormone advice when you're 30, but when you're 45, maybe not? The most obvious that stands out is definitely a shift in exercise. You're right. A lot of the things that you all have learned now from Leisha and things that we learn in our 20s and 30s do still apply as we move into perimenopause for sure. So if you're paying attention to your hormones now and you haven't reached this point, you're ahead of the game. So that's fantastic. The big thing that changes or one of the big things that stands out is exercise. Once we reach perimenopause, we start actively losing muscle mass at a faster rate. So we need to work a little bit harder to actively offset that. Okay. Because we want to be strong, right? We want to be strong grandmas who can run around and do things with our grandkids and all of that. So we start really focusing on weights and incorporating more weights into our exercise routine so that we are actively offsetting that muscle loss combined with protein. Of course, we also need to eat more protein. That's the other big change that happens in perimenopause. Protein's important in your reproductive years, and that becomes even more so in this phase. Okay. Yeah. And I know with like mainstream advice of, oh, you're getting older, you're gaining weight. It's so much easier to eat less. And protein is often one of the foods that gets thrown to the wayside first because we like our carbs and our fats more usually. So I think that's really a great tip. And even knowing that weight training is going to help with adrenal health and insulin Mm -hmm. resistance, all of that works together so beautifully. So I love that advice. Okay. Well, I think this has been so helpful. I've loved having this conversation. I would love for you to tell us, Lisa, where can we find you? Where can people reach out to you if they are listening and they're like, okay, yes, I need some support with perimenopause. I really want to know how to maximize those years, feel good, feel better than you thought was possible, all those things. So tell us the resources you have and where we can find you. Absolutely. And I I want all of those things for you. I want you all to feel like this is not a time of life that you're dreading or my body's falling apart. It's the opposite, really. Like we said, this is a second chance for you to just really thrive and take care of yourself better than ever. Some resources to connect with me. I am on both Instagram and Facebook, Dr. Lisa Brown. I also have a Facebook group where we go live once a week for our weekly hormone chats talking basically all things perimenopause. So that Facebook, it's an exclusive group and it's called the 40s-ish hormone fix. So most of us are in our 40s, but I changed it a while back to 40s-ish because 
So many people are like, I'm not in my 40s. Can I still come? Yes, absolutely. You can still be a part. So we go live there every Thursday talking hormones. You can also sign up for my email list and then you'll get the replays of our live hormone chats directly right to your inbox. So lots of different ways to get in touch. Okay. I love that. I know that some of my ladies will be heading to those because you can go ask Lisa your questions directly and not just have me gather them for you for this podcast. So that's awesome. I'm sure that will be such a great resource and I've loved chatting today. So thank you so much for coming. It's been so wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. Any information shared on this podcast is solely for educational purposes is not to be taken as medical advice or to be used as a diagnosis or a treatment plan for any medical condition. I'm sharing my educated opinions and experience, but nothing shared here can be taken on a one-size-fits-all basis. We always recommend that you do your own research, talk to your own doctors, and take full informed responsibility for any health and medical choices that you make. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course, Nourish Your Hormones, is created specifically for you. It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message if you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode. I can't wait to meet you.